Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, who is indeed a nationally known gerontologist, a graduate of Trinity University and the University of the Incarnate Word, where she earned a master's degree in social gerontology, well-known across this country for her work in the field. And we're delighted to have her here as our co-host on Caregiver SOS on air. Wow, thank you. I, I feel like I should have some big sentence planned right after that, but thank you. Always well, a thank pleasure. You works. Well, you know, we we've been doing the the show for a number of years, and I think that we're going to have to add caregiving expert to your title as well after Aww. this after all this time. Well, thank you. And but we've got an, we've got another, and there are three of us now because we're going to be talking to another caregiving expert, exactly, and someone who not only is an expert but talks at national conferences about a variety of issues involved in caregiving. Claire Dowers-Nichols joins us, Executive Director of Healthy Living Oklahoma, OKC. And Claire, we're delighted to have you. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. One of the things you talked with uh, our producer about is how you've been able to uh, integrate creativity as a way to help manage stress. And we know, show me a caregiver, I'll show you stress. That's true. There is no separating those two issues at all. So what is it you get them to do, and how does it work? Well, at our, we, I, I run a senior wellness center in Oklahoma City that is for adults age 50 and older. And we try not to say the S word, the senior word, too much. Uh, we don't want to run into that stigma. But many of our almost 7,000 members are caregivers, and some are still working. Some are not, uh, but we've seen the stress over and over again. I myself have been uh, working with various types of caregiver programs for nearly 20 years, and you're right, you just you don't see a caregiver without some type of stress. Part of the activities at our center include a real comprehensive arts program portfolio, including everything from pottery to watercolor to creative writing, we have a thespian group, so drama. Uh, we even have some members that are writing their their plays, and the thespian group is performing. Um, so we've started tracking uh, how 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 can we more closely tailor some of our art programs for caregivers to help them manage that stress. How can we involve them um, in some short term projects and classes? Because we all know caregivers have such busy and unpredictable schedules that that they can't do a lot. They don't always have time for a 12-week session, a 12-week class, but we can do smaller projects with them. So do you... They kind is, of help introduce them to the arts. Do you... Is there a better entree? Do you find that with, uh, you know, for caregivers in particular, is there something that you, a particular art form, you would recommend one over the other? Well, I think... Because pot, I think pottery would stress like me the, out. I would be afraid I would actually break something. <laughs> Uh. It can be a little intimidating. Uh, we have fat, we're blessed with fabulous instructors that um, many of which are volunteers, many of which are 
a little older themselves, so I think it's more relatable. We don't have any 20-year-olds teaching an 80-year-old how to paint or anything like that. We try to be very relatable and focus on the relationships first before the content, making people feel comfortable wherever they are in their journey. We have very beginning sessions. We'll do demonstrations that people can just come and watch. Um, sometimes if you see something done first, watch someone else do it, you, you feel more comfortable with with picking up a brush or a pen yourself. A lot of what we've done is uh, different writing programs, creative writing, or we have poetry groups that you don't have to write a perfect poem. You don't have to expect it to win awards, but focusing on the process of art and the process of uh, putting thoughts on paper and that release of emotion that comes with that is much more important than a finished product to us. It's the, it's the therapeutic benefit of the process, not the end result. And the people who come to your program, uh, are they reporting back to you that, indeed, their stress is lowered? We have heard, we, we receive a lot of reports about lowered stress. Uh, we receive comments about starting to enjoy life again. We've seen, we've heard many, many stories where people, uh, their physical health is, is better and if you look at some of the studies that have taken place across the nation in the last 10 and 15 years, this is what the research finds as well. So it's something that I'm in a great position. I can read about it in a journal, but I can also walk 20 feet down the hall and, and see it happen uh, in a real-life person. We're going to talk more about this. I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host, Carol Zerniel talking with Claire Dowers-Nichols, Executive Director of Healthy Living OKC, involved in a number of programs targeting folks 50 and over, and we're talking about the kind of work that she is doing. Uh, You've also served in a number of leadership and advisory roles for state and national organizations. What's that all about? Well, I believe that it's important to contribute back. Uh, I was very young when I got into the field of gerontology. There weren't a lot of 20-somethings around. Um, I was typically the youngest one in the office by about 20 or 15 years for quite a while um, and received some great learning opportunities and great mentoring, and I want to give back to the younger generations that are just starting, so that's very important to me. I also think that it's important to maintain, you know, a good knowledge of what the best, some of the national best practices are. So anytime I can do that, uh, networking, that's always very, very important uh, to spread uh, one idea that may be great on the East Coast to someplace in the Midwest. Um, that transfer of knowledge and expertise is so important. Uh, funding and prioritization of aging services is so difficult. There's so many other competing interests that we really have to work together in this field to do that. And so I feel like serving in some of these leadership and advisory capacities is just part of the job. So what attracted you in your 20s to gerontology? (laughs) I get asked that question a lot. Um, And I will say I'm no longer in my 20s, so I I can't pass that off anymore. But um, I watched my parents... um, care for their parents and my grandparents. Um, My mom was also in the field. She worked for what was uh, at one point the foster grandparents program and then worked for um, 
the state office on aging and oversaw some of the area agencies on aging, and I watched how much joy that brought her um, and that what she did mattered for a living. Um, when I first graduated with my undergraduate degree, I got a what should have been a very exciting, brilliant, great job offer for a Fortune 500 company and took that offer, and um, about six months into it, I realized this is not going to work for me. There's just not, there's not meaning in this. So I was fortunate to be accepted for a position at one of our uh, universities here in Oklahoma in their gerontology program, and that's how it got started. And one of my first job responsibilities was to lead a program, a grant-funded program for grandparents raising grandchildren. And after that, I was hooked on the topic. So the grand for grandparents raising grandchildren, which in the National Family Caregiver Support Program, mm-hmm. there's special language in the Act that allows for funding for these services. There absolutely is. Most Older Americans Act programs uh, require you to be 60, but there's leniency for grandparents raising grandchildren. They, you can uh, receive services at a younger age, uh, which is great. Oklahoma ranks... Uh, very highly in the number of grandparents raising grandchildren. So that topic was really my forced uh, entree into caregiving. And now I've been very fortunate to have overseen uh, statewide education programs for caregivers. And I currently chair our state's coalition, uh, caregiving coalition that uh, brings together caregiving organizations across the state for networking and common advocacy goals as well. So what kind of advocacy issues are you working on? Uh, Right now we're focusing a lot on increasing respite funding for our state. Um, You know, the Older Americans Act, as you you specified in the National Family Caregiver Program, has a, a line item for respite. We typically seem to go through that money pretty quickly here in Oklahoma, as I'm sure other states do too. The need is just growing more than the appropriation. So we are asking uh, for funding that we can increase that level of service for people. We're also uh, working on some language that would strengthen uh, the family caregiver's role in the hospital discharge process. Which is very, we, we, we were, were having a conversation about that. about that, yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. great. Yes, on, uh, 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 on another show we were talking right. about that. Yeah, it's, it's such a critical thing. And then just um, how can we support caregivers more in general? You know, they're an underserved population. They're frequently under-recognized. Um, how can we reach them through different types of services and programs? We don't always realize we're a caregiver we kind of get into it gradually, so we uh, we're sometimes halfway to a crisis, if not in a crisis, before we need before we realize we need help. So, how can we be more proactive um, in in raising that awareness? Well, I would really like Oklahoma to solve the issue of what to call caregivers, so <sighs> that they would recognize themselves. <laughs> so, if you could take that to your that. committee still- and 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 have them solve that quandary. I will get to work on that. I'm still trying to find a better word for seniors, too. Yes, that one, too. Please. Hey, no, because <laughs> we've done seniors, boomers, golden, golden, silver. My mother liked old people. Yeah, oh, 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 we have older persons. We have, you know, there are just so many. I can't. Somebody wanted to be 
Oh, yeah. Then they're seasoned, which always makes me think of food. Right. I know I get hungry. <laughs> yeah, turkey. I do. I, I just see salt and pepper shakers every time they say that, which <laughs> makes me think of steak yeah. um, or maybe vegetable, but usually steak. Uh, so yeah. we're just not there uh, yet. So what do you we're play with there. when it comes to the naming of caregivers? Oh, goodness. I, Care, I like carers. See, in England, yeah, we had a guest on the other the word, day who used that. They use the word carers. I like carers because it doesn't. There's no connotation of give and take. It's people who are doing care. All right, hold that thought. We're going to come <laughs> right like back that. to you, and we'll play more with what do you call a caregiver on Caregiver SOS on air. We are excited to bring you the all new Well Med Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. WellMed Radio, Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. on 930 a.m. The Answer. So we thank you for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. On our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline, talking with Claire Dowers-Nichols, Executive Director of Healthy Living OKC. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here, and she teased just a few minutes ago, what should we call caregivers? And we turned it over to the state of Oklahoma to figure that out. Right. So so are you thinking of anything else besides caregivers or carers or care partners? you have any other words? Nothing else has come to mind. I really do like the idea of just carers. It's kind of hard to it's kind of, you think about it's a hard spelling word to it. Say. Yeah, it's a little bit odd, but I think it's more descriptive. I have tried to encourage <laughs> our own team to use the word carer, and I'm getting a little bit of pushback, so I have a bad feeling that this is not <laughs> going to solve the problem. When the professionals don't want to use it, but I That's like the word. Problem. I like the word. Yeah. Maybe if we need an accent, maybe it's easier to say in, in English, British, English, carer, carer, carer. I don't know. That wasn't even close to being British. No. So whatever. No, <laughs> it wasn't. So when you think about, and you had mentioned this early on, uh, caregivers don't often identify themselves as caregivers. Uh, in my mom's case, who took care of my dad with dementia, she just thought it was in sickness and in health, it's what you do. Oh, exactly. We hear so many stories about that. Or it's being, you know, it's being a good wife, or sometimes it's being a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just starts out so small. Wouldn't it be great if we could be more proactive um, and creating a, a known label? This is this is what a caregiver or carer is, and you will likely become one, or you will need one. And, and make it easier for carers or caregivers to know where to go and to recognize uh, the journey that they've started. And here in South Texas, with a large Hispanic population, uh, there's no equivalent word in Spanish for caregiver. Interesting. Yes, it, it, it's, it's, it is interesting because they, a lot of times they talk about a cuidadora, which is uh, somebody who provides care, but it's more of a connotation in my understanding. I apologize. I am not fluent in Spanish, Uh, but our translation team says that it's more like uh, somebody who takes care of of the grounds or the horses. You know, it's really uh, somebody that is caring for your, the animals, the livestock in the yard. 
uh, versus, a a per- versus a person. So, you know, which brings up another point that I'm sure you have to do, you know, all of us are having to deal with um, and, and recognize that we have a great shortage of cultural sensitivity to, uh, you know, people with, you know, from other, with other languages, other cultures, African-Americans and the Latino population, the Anglo population, the Asian, Asian population, all approach caregiving, you know, differently. Yeah, I know Oklahoma is it has an incredible Native American population. Yeah. Um, and are, are you? Do you find that you have to um, stop and really think and adapt some of your recommendations based on who it is that's standing in front of you? Yes, hands down. I used to work uh, at the state office and worked with a lot of our tribes, and uh, we also in Oklahoma have a growing population of Southeast Asian individuals and, you know, very, very different approaches. So it's always important to remember who you're talking with, and that's something that I always say in training. You're not talking to these people, you're talking with them. It's important not to go in with the attitude that here I am, I have the answers, and this is what you need to do. It's it's much more important uh, from a cultural competency standpoint to go in and say, I'm here to work with you. Uh, you know things that I don't, and we can maybe learn from each other. And to, to start off with that attitude, we can't be cultural competent experts um, in all things caregiving, but if we go in with the right attitude and perspective um, and be humble, we can certainly learn and help a lot. One of the things I remember, we were interviewing a uh, well-met doc who was Vietnamese, and he was talking about this shows you the difference between Anglo community and Vietnamese community. He was saying his fondest wish was that his mother, who was uh, slowly declining, chose to live with him rather than any of his other siblings. It would be a huge honor to him and his family. You don't find a lot of Anglos in that bidding <laughs> fighting, war. Fighting for the, yeah, let mom come live with me. I want me. grandma here. Yeah, and he was, right. he, she was going to make the decision soon. And they were, the whole family was waiting of who was she going to pick. Isn't that interesting how yes. family roles and expectations are different from culture to culture? Absolutely. Right. Well, and then I can think of, you know, just the family relationships that uh, we all bring with us into caregiving situations. We were teaching a stress-busting class, and all four mm. sisters were attending the class at the same time. And the three of them, the three wow. of them said they did all the work. And they pointed to the younger sister and they said, she's the golden child. Mom doesn't let her <laughs> lift a finger. Mom doesn't let her do anything. And I asked the youngest one, I said, so, and, the, and all of these women are old, and they were not young. Um, you know, so are, are you the golden child? Do you, do you ever help? She goes, oh, she smiles. She goes, mother doesn't want me to. <laughs> oh, wow. And the other sibling, they're rolling their eyes. Um, you know, I've seen that happen in families I've worked with over the years. Sometimes it's two sisters and a brother, and the brother doesn't have to do a thing. Right, right. The brother doesn't have yeah. to do anything. And he fills yeah. that role with great dignity. Sometimes, sometimes very proudly, yes. <laughs> well, as we look at what you've learned and what you're teaching uh, over the years about caregiving, give us some tips to somebody who's listening who within the next 24 hours will end up being a caregiver because often that's how it works. That's, that's so true. I always tell people it's okay not to have all the answers. Um, 
caregiving is tough enough without putting a lot of ex- unrealistic expectations on oneself. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. We've told families that are in a caregiving situation, you know, people really do want to help. Uh, make a list of little things that people can do, you know, whether it's sometimes changing light bulbs when you come by and, and drop off the groceries or, you know, helping do, helping do something else around the house or, you know, if you need a ride somewhere, transportation is more of a more of an issue in rural areas. People are staying at home, but they may not be able to drive anymore. Make a list of those things that, that you actually do need help with. Know who to call for help with questions, whether it's your um, area agency on aging or your long-term care insurance company or, or, or anything like that. Um, you have Advocacy is really, really important and probably better more important than anything in the long run is you have to take care of yourself as well. Uh, the stress is so high. Uh, it will be frustrating. There may very likely be grief along the way. Um, you may feel isolated. Um, doesn't paint a very nice picture, does it? Uh, but, but take that's care reality. of yourself. That's reality. It's reality, whether that's going for a walk or you know, sitting down and writing out how you're feeling or playing an instrument or painting a picture, going to the the salon is always popular with women, um, just to have a little bit of me time. Uh, find something to do, and it, if you can, uh, just get those feelings out and find some way to express yourself uh, while you're taking care of yourself. It, it, it helps tremendously. So in Oklahoma, the current um, Assistant Secretary for the Administration mm-hmm. on Community Living, Lance Robertson, yes. is from yes. Oklahoma. Yes, he so, is. We worked together two times. So are, are you, um, is, is he speaking um, in Oklahoma as the Assistant Secretary, or do, are, is he finding more federal funds for you as he does his work? Which he would hit me for saying. Uh, he, he comes up with lots of ideas, which, are, which is great. Um, I've known Lance for for 20 years, and he is certainly never going to show any type of favoritism. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, but he has always been an identifier of best practices and a problem solver, and that um, certainly has not changed. Well, and, and the great thing is when you have somebody in a leadership role who has a very comforting presence. So he sure does. I, you know, I always feel like we're in good hands. Um, every time I he's he's speaking, there's just something about his voice and the way he presents himself uh, mm-hmm. that makes me. And I don't know if, if other people in Oklahoma have that talent that we're in good hands. Uh, well, we definitely are with Lance at the helm. Yes. Where do you see caregiving going? What's the next step? Are we going to have a paid cadre of professional caregivers or carers, or is it still going to rely on family? I don't think we'll ever get away from relying on family. That's your, you know, I still think that's part of the most important part of your long-term care system is is those family caregivers. But more and more families are uh, long distance, more families, younger family members are still working. Um, So then you go into uh, some economic issues with that. Um, We have caregivers family uh, family caregivers that are not entirely trained to do all the medical tasks that are necessary nowadays. AARP has done some really great research on that. Uh, I used to oversee a, a family caregiving training program across the state before I came to my current job, and a lot of that was, you know, stress, focused on stress management, and 
but but also things like, you know, how do you transfer someone that may weigh 280 pounds and you have a bad back? How do you get them from the wheelchair to the chair or into bed? Um, how do you maintain uh, infection? How do you make sure that you don't get sick? Or what are some tools for helping your loved one eat independently and how do you maintain that independence? Um, we need more training for family caregivers, but we also need a broader uh, what I call a paraprofessional workforce, home health aides, uh, certified nurse aides that are trained specifically to, to care for older adults, uh, and, and the kind of what I call the psychosocial factors that go along with that is maintaining dignity and maintaining independence. But we need to find the money to pay for it. That's all we need, right? Right. Yeah, just well, again, talk. Well, Lance. Lance will <laughs> well, come Lance, through. Lance. Lance will. We 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 will all advocate so that um, Lance has something that he can use exactly. to be our advocate. Well, we got to stop you right here. We are flat out of time. And for folks who want to learn more, is there a website they can go to? Absolutely, uh, they can learn about our center and our programs at healthylivingokc.com. It's healthylivingokc.com. Thank you very much, Claire. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Fascinating. Learned a lot. Absolutely. There's a lot out there going on on the ground. Thank goodness. For Carol Zernial, I'm Ron Aaron. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.